Welcome to the CNS Podcast featuring Dr. Daryl Anaba, Research Director for CNS Productions. Hi, and welcome once again to the CNS Addiction Podcast. I'm Howard Lemaire here with Dr. Daryl Anaba. And as always, we take a look at the news of, uh, of um, drug use, drug abuse, prevention, and uh, some of the issues that uh, follow around that. And one of the things that caught my interest uh, today was a new study, I think it's relatively new, uh, proposing the creation of the National Institute on Addictions. And what this proposal is, is to uh, combine the existing National Institute on Drug Abuse and the uh, also pre-existing and somewhat smaller National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. And there's a decided disagreement on whether or not this is a good thing to do and and whether we want to move forward with it. And uh, uh, Daryl, what do you think of that? I I know you said earlier you thought it was long overdue that they be created, uh, that this kind of thing be created. But there's clearly a lot of uh, feelings about not doing it, not changing it. Absolutely, and there's actually some good reasons uh, to look at it from both sides and and not just uh, the simple side that these are all uh, dealing institutes dealing with addiction and people who are vulnerable to addiction and, and developing research to understand them and better treatments to them, but just the way governments work and the way bureaucracies work and the way funding works and stuff like that is a real bugaboo. And I can understand the trepidation that's going on and, and the reason for the controversy and one why some people believe it's an absolute horrid idea and they shouldn't do it. But there's a, from, from the start, though, there isn't any research, I don't think. And if there was research, it, it may actually show that there are some good reasons for the negative. Uh, but also just as many good reasons for the positive. But it's just a proposal. It's a look, to, and it's something that I, I think bureaucrats and administrators and also those people who keep their thumb on the budgets look at very closely. We have two uh, funded organizations looking at addiction and its problems. I think the uh, National Institute of Drug Abuse is funded for about a, mi- a billion dollars. And right. I think uh, NIAAA, the alcohol organization, is funded for about half a billion dollars, something around $450 million or something, somewhere right. near that. Yep. But um, the reality is each of those organizations have their own bureaucracy, their own uh, people who are directors and subdirectors and managers and stuff, which probably from an economy of size issue or from a uh, – from a uh, budgetary or an economic issue, we, we could eliminate a lot of these positions, ex- extraneous positions. And if we kept the funding the same level, maybe there would actually be more funding for the research that, that people want to do, uh, the grants that they give out, the uh, different studies that are, that are going on. And that might be a, a positive, but it's, I'm not sure that always happens anytime they, they do these mergers. But Looking in the field, uh, <clears throat> I came on in San Francisco uh, into the addiction field during the 1960s, and it wasn't, I, I think, maybe still not totally merged that uh, alcoholism was looked at as totally not in the addiction field. And, and the uh, p- 
people who dealt with alcohol. They didn't want anything to do with uh, the addiction field, uh, even though the, there, there was a simple fact that there was such a strong crossover, meaning that right. many heroin addicts were also alcoholics, many marijuana addicts, many uh, cocaine addicts were also alcoholic. But it was a, a matter of turf and, and trying to control your, the economies of it, trying to keep your own funding, making sure that you got enough money to do the projects you wanted for you know, what had been set in motion uh, 100, maybe 100 years ago, that there will be an alcohol division and there will be a drug division. Uh, but that was finally merged. You know, it was finally merged into uh, one drug abuse department. I think both sides kept on to their money and their sources of money. Uh, I don't think it resulted, uh, but of course I didn't work for the administration in a huge, huge uh, change in how things were different, although there was the feeling that there was going to be an economy of size shift and, and you're going to have to have less administrators to deal with it. As a matter of fact, they might have had to have more administrators to deal with it. So much, somehow that the, never works out right. Yeah, it's, I don't it's know kind why. of a crazy thing. Taking this a step further, I think every county and every state uh, in the United States are moving toward uh, merging the fields of mental health and substance abuse and, and alcoholism. Alcoholism and, and addiction from a state level and from county level is, is supposedly anyway already merged. So now the next mer- big merger that's going on is something called behavioral health services. And you know, the state of Oregon did that a few years ago, and now they're uh, into integrated behavioral health services. Uh, they have new uh, single regulations in terms of document, uh, documentation requirements in terms of what programs have to do to serve both. And uh, any door is a right door in recognition that uh, so many substance abusers also have major mental health issues and so many people with mental health also have substance abuse and make this one integrated system. So there's there's that sort of passionate or cultural argument to say these are, are both the same. We know that the science is showing that uh, it's not a matter of moral uh, morality or ethics or weak will, but uh, addicts do have a major uh, men- mental illness. So let's merge everything together. Uh, let's, you know, taper things down so that we can more efficiently deal with these conditions and have the resources we need to deal with them. On the other side of the, uh, of the coin, uh, especially from the alcohol, alcohol sides, uh, they're worried about being smothered. They're worried about being overshadowed and overlooked. And as soon as they merge, uh, merge uh, NIAAA, National Institute on Alcohol, Alcoholism, Alcohol Abuse, with the National Institute on Drug Abuse, uh, into they're calling it the uh, Addiction Institute to create something in under the National Institute of Health called the Addiction Institute that they're going to be uh, disregarded, that they're not going to get as much funding for their research, their, their needs are going to be paid less attention to, and more focus is going to be bent toward just all drugs, and they're going to lose out on this. So there's that concern. I think it was, uh, from what I'm reading, uh, unanimously people involved with NIAAA or the alcohol component right now. Yeah, their their board is dead set against it. Unanimously voted against it. Right. And NIDA is quarter half and half. So whether this comes to pass, you know, when you get so much passions and so much politics involved, uh, sometimes you can't move anything. Well, there is a couple of clear issues here. Uh, One of them being that 
alcohol um, is legal and has been, you know, pretty much with, with the exception of prohibition for 10 years or however long it was, um, has been legal for a long time. So, uh, whereas the other drugs are largely illegal. Right. And so there's, so there's that, and then also there is there's the money. You know, the, the alcohol industry has been very quiet about it. Uh, because you know it's it is that that same old follow the money, and then there's the argument that uh, not all of the things that are being addressed here by the two by the two institutes are addiction. There are other things that are, are that don't qualify as addiction, like for instance teenage teenage drinking or or drunk driving, uh, not necessarily addictions. But, I mean, those are some of the comments that are being made. Well, there's a rub, though, in that, uh, Howard, and I think you hit it right on the head when you brought those issues forward because the fact is alcohol is only legal if you are of legal age to partake in it. Right. And nicotine is only legal if you're of legal age to partake in it. Opiates, um, benzodiazepines, barbiturates, they're legal if you get a prescription for it. And what we have is we have... um, teenagers or young people who are at least abusing, but I I tend to argue that we also have teenagers who are fully addicted to alcohol, in which uh, because they're using a legal substance, does that make it less of an important issue or less of an issue? No, it makes it actually more of an issue, and and the consequences are horrendous. I, I work with teenagers here in Oregon already who have had four or five DUIs, and they don't realize that uh, they're not going to be allowed to ever drive here in this state again. They're going to have to move. And that's horrendous personal consequences. Uh, You've got also the the accidents and the injuries and the health issues that's going on with supposedly a legal drug. So what constitutes legal and illegality, I think, has less, is less important in terms of how you're going to deal with it as a uh, national priority or national objective, and maybe that's better served by the uh, Addiction Institute rather than a separate NIAAA and a a separate NIDA. The other thing is, as we see these prescription drugs uh, who are now becoming the major abuse illicit system in America, they're not illegal, but in the way they're used, in the way they're used without prescription, makes it illegal, and that's violating law, but like alcohol... They're legal for if you if you qualify to use it. Marijuana is changing. We have Prop 19 and Prop 74, 19 in Oregon, 74. That's moving toward uh, less of uh, legal restrictions on marijuana, make it more available to people, and and not putting them in jail. So, what what is that? I don't even know if that's going to have an age limit where you're okay to use it or not okay to use it. But how do we deal with it when the real issue is is that these drugs. Uh, how they influence the brain, how they change brain chemistry, and the changes that that might have been there with a predisposition as well as brought there by toxicity, uh, brought there by environmental stresses and nutritional changes or however it happens, there there is a, a variance in a person's brain who has developed this addictive substance and whether or not it's a legal substance or illegal, it's, it's less important to me. It's more important to how we're going to research this, how we're going to develop treatments for it, and what we're going to do to help people who, uh, unfortunately, 
have that vulnerability or who developed addiction. And that probably speaks to or calls for maybe a single institute better integrate that. But I can understand the concerns of the NIAAA. Um, sometimes bureaucracies are, are not fun to deal with. And uh, bureaucracies want to survive on their own and want to go where they want to do. And um, when you have too many competing objectives. So you bring in NIAAA with NIDA, and now you've got two major competing objectives within the same institute. Well, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose, and I can see that concern very much. Right. Well, um, you know, it's hard to to really evaluate this. And, and, you know, uh, good cases are made on both sides, I guess. Um, But... um, Maybe it's maybe it's a matter of the naming. Maybe it needs to be named something else to take into account the, the factors that are not addiction per se. I and, and I don't know that that might be oversimplistic, but but maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it needs to be framed in a different way. Well, that's what the, I think the uh, Institute on Alcohol Abuse Alcoholism. Uh, did in alcohol, they they tried to make sure that people knew it wasn't just addiction they were talking about. They were talking about, you know, the drug itself and the research we need to do uh, re- uh, better research on the drug itself. There's a recently published study uh, out of England that's saying that they found that uh, alcohol, moderate or mild consumption of alcohol, had no impact on pregnancy and no impact on on poor babies. Uh, just recently came out, which flies in the face of every other study which says, you know, any alcohol use is a danger to the fetus and has consequences on their overall health. Right. Uh, we had studies that came out showing, unfortunately, many of them sponsored by the alcohol industry, but saying that, you know, moderate drinking in men as defined by less than three drinks a day uh, resulted in much healthier males, uh, much less uh, heart problems, uh, much less uh, lipidemias, things like that. And uh, almost an endorsement of, yeah, you should drink two drinks a day. The problem with that is that for those vulnerable to the addictive side of it, there's no safe level. You have one drink, you drink 20 before the night's over. Right. But what I'm saying here is this, there's a lot of issues about all drugs and, um, and alcohol that uh, are not just addiction issues, but, but health issues and things that me, need to be looked at. And Who's going to do that research and how it's going to get funded is of interesting. I still can't understand why, if NIDA isn't doing it, uh, or somebody else in the government, National Institute of Health or anybody, why nobody is really doing the detailed research needed to see if marijuana, not marijuana itself, but of course uh, THC in marijuana, the cannabinoids, the different uh, various chemicals, the 60 or so that are brain active, to see if they have major health benefits and, and could validate their health benefits instead of letting the, the people on the street do it and making anecdotal claims here and there. That might be correct, but we really need to do some research. Uh, NIDA's position and NIDA's uh, position is that they're not there to develop treatments. They're not there to develop you know, use of drugs of abuse like alcohol or marijuana or heroin as a treatment agency. They're used to to deal with the abuse of them and, and the, the negative aspects. But somebody needs to step up to the plate and start looking at these things from 
uh, the other perspective as well. And I'm not sure that would be the Addiction Institute. I think uh, if whatever they name it, their concern will still be on the abuse of them and misuse of them, that problems. And maybe it's for the Institute of other departments, the Institute of Health or something, to look at well, what are the other aspects you're talking about in terms of how these drugs uh, are used and how they impact uh, America, impact health, impact our economic system, impact our our social uh, system and our, our ethos here. So there's a lot to be, be done, and uh, whether this merger is going to forward it or stymie it, I, I, I'm not sure we have any good evidence one way or the other from looking at the merger in states and counties of alcohol and drug addiction, and then the current mergers where everybody's going to behavioral health services and merging mental health and substance abuse. From my personal experience, actually, that merger with uh, uh, substance abuse or addiction and mental health, I saw more sucking up of the money that was available from the mental health side than from the addiction side. Uh, What I mean by that is all of a sudden, you know, Many mental health, many institutions, or many places that that treated mental health as their primary problem, when it became a behavior health issues, they redefined the patients they were already seeing for mental health issues as as being comorbidity or having co-occurring disorders or or co-occurring disorders. So they didn't have to actually spend any more money or implement more money or get any more money. They already had a population that they were treating with right. both conditions, uh, whereas many of the substance abuse, of course, I'm slanted on the substance abuse treatment side, uh, recognize that in order to effectively deal with mental health issues in the same populations with comorbidity or due diagnosis, we had to bring on resources of treatment of mental health. We had to bring on mental health experts. We had to bring on psychiatry. We had to make uh, budgets available to provide medications that, that dealt with the mental health issues. And we knew it was is needed because clients just don't recover unless you're dealing with the mental health issues as well. Whereas I didn't see a lot of the mental health programs hiring anybody special even doing any, a lot of training in, in understanding, recognizing, and dealing with substance abuse. They just redefined their patients as we're already dealing with them. So, so that, that is a concern. So you, yeah, yeah, you're talking about the function of a bureaucracy and, and the, most, uh, you know, the most powerful one wins, or the ones with the best you know, grant writing skills wins, depending. Well, it, obviously, since we're talking about a government entity here, or several entities, this is not going to be. This is not anything that's going to happen quick. It's it's going to be around. So we'll all have a chance to look at this again. Um, and of course, uh, those of you listening, if you have any comments, questions, we'd love to hear them and respond to them. Uh, stop by the website, which is uh, cnsproductions.com. Drop us a note there. Daryl, any uh, more closing thoughts? Well, please save us from the bureaucrats, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. That wraps our pod for today. Thanks for visiting the CNS Podcast. Please check back soon for the next in the series and visit our website, www.cnsproductions.com.